Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. everyone and welcome to part two of the moon underwater with phil wang oh oh we're all sat around in a lovely booth here at the moon underwater chatting about phil's favorite pub but i have to say that during the break we've been scribbling away because robin set us quite a labor intensive pub quiz that is going to have caused an awful lot of chat amongst all of you i'm sure i can't wait to hear Perhaps by email, if you want to send us some mist about which uh, album you thought you could name all of the tracks in order on, because it is a superb question. Uh, it really presses you on what you think you know best. Uh, send us uh, a bit of mist to john at moonunderpod.com. But I'll hand over for the answers to the lovely Robin Allender. Thank you, John. So, yes, this week's pub quiz of The Moon Underwater was about order, one of John's favourite things. And question one was planets. What is the order of the planets, starting with the closest to the sun? Phil, do you want to give me a run-through? Yes, it is. Well, I, this is a very handy mnemonic, I know. And the only reason I know the order is from this mnemonic. Do you want to hear the mnemonic or the answers? Yeah, go, let's go for the mnemonic. So the mnemonic goes, and this is very neat, my very easy method just speeds up naming planets. And to each of those first letters is letter of the pla- planet. Mercury, my. Venus, very. Earth, easy. Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and I put in brackets for the nostalgic among us, Pluto. Very, very nicely done. And I've never heard that mnemonic. It's superb. There's also one that, that, that includes, has Michael Jackson some, at some point in the Mars to Jupiter bit, but I can't remember the rest of it. <laughs> for any mnemonic collectors? Yeah. <laughs> John, I, I, I can't really test how you did, but what, what, can you show your working? I, ca- I can show my working. I've got it written down. I've got exactly the same, but I didn't put Pluto on because I am a pedant. Very good, very good. So very well done if you've got that at home. But then let's... So we got eight points each. Eight points each, yeah. But Holst, how many movements are there in Holst's planet suite? Did anyone get that? Phil, what are you saying? I mean, the, I don't know. The obvious one would be... Um, Nine, one for each of the planets when he wrote it. Okay, gone for nine, John. I'm going to say five. Five, interesting. Why five? Uh, 
just a guess really but also five tends to be quite popular number in music or, or just couldn't be bothered to do all of them there's actually seven yeah. so he wrote it before pluto had been discovered which was it was discovered in 1930 and then downgraded in 2006 and he didn't include earth <sighs> don't know why just forgot about it <sighs> i suppose it's like when you're counting people but you get to count yourself yeah 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 Maybe just forgot to do Earth. So, so here I have counted myself because I'm an egotist. <laughs> I've counted my own planet. I counted your own planet. So there we go. Well done. We've got that home. Only seven movements in Holst Planet Suites. Great album. Um, that'll be easy to do the order. For. Actually, the order's not in the order of the planets from the sun. Anyway, stop. Stop talking. Henry VIII. <laughs> Henry VIII. The wives. Watch order and what happened to them? Phil. Oh my! I don't. I. Uh, spoiler alert! I don't know. I, I, my English history, because I didn't do history, from what I've gathered, Henry VIII's wives is all anyone ever learns in this country, yeah. but I <laughs> didn't learn it. And I'm currently trying to fill these gaps. I'm reading a really brilliant uh, book about English history, but I've not got to. Don't, don't worry about it. I'm, I would not have got this, but ch- ch- chuck some names if you've got some names. I've got Anne Boleyn, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Catherine Tate. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and I want to say Aga Santos 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 No, Santos I know there's a spanish one Right How close did I get? Oh, you got one Okay Catherine Tate, sadly I mean, luckily wasn't one of Henry VIII's wives But John, how did you... Uh... Go on. Well, I, I must be the exception that proves the rule because I never studied... Is he, he's Tudors, isn't he? Yes, which is before the Georgians. Yeah, I've never <laughs> studied Tudors. My areas of expertise are sort of 600 to 1400. And then it starts again with the milled copper farthing. <laughs> obsessed with coins. So I have a big gap between 1400 and about 1672. So I honestly couldn't tell you. Uh, I, I Anne Boleyn, Catherine Aragon, Catherine Parr, Lady Loxley, um, <laughs> Lady Ian, and uh, Lady Ian, Lady Ian, and uh, Samantha Fox. Well, that's, you got three of them there. Shall, shall I go through them in order? Yeah, Catherine of Aragon. So that's the Spanish that's one. The Spanish you're thinking one. Of, yep. Yeah, yep. Anne Boleyn. Jane Seymour, Anne of Cleves, Catherine Howard, and Catherine Parr. And the rhyme to remember their fates is divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. So if you if you ever, you know, if you're ever stuck on that one. Yeah, I knew divorced, beheaded, but I didn't know what happened after that. Yeah, yeah. Um, awful chap. What a what an awful bloody bugger he was. I have seen his armour, which is at the Tower of London, and it has an enormous sort of penis and testicle receptacle because he had sort of such bad his health was so bad that I think his testicles were very very enlarged oh get some caniston on that Henry John, yeah do you know how he treated that John or was that just out of interest no. oh <laughs> okay um, in the Met in New York in the Metropolitan Museum um, Gallery there is a suit of armour of his from I think his last his Final ever suit of battle armor. So this is when he's big, and the suit of armor is enormous. It's like it's got a gut built into it. It's incredible. It's this sort of ebony black thing, and it's huge. And he was a really big guy. He's intimidating. 
Yeah. But at the same time, I can see why you want to marry him because there's something kind of, there's a real pull to that kind of heft, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the way that the tailor would would it be a tailor of a suit of armor? Might have, you wouldn't want to have said like, do you want to try losing some weight for this? No, no, just just fit it round the fit it round the gut. So the third question was a kind of very subjective question about albums. So we we, we wanted to Phil and John both chose an album, and they've got to try and do the track listing off the top of their heads without checking it. So I've got Abbey Road up here, Phil. Do you want to have a go? Well, I thought we'd have more time than this. Okay, um, so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> may, may I have some time? I don't think it'll do very much help. Yeah, have, have a bit of time. And John, we'll, we'll, I'll tell you what, we'll go to John first with Astral Weeks. Okay. I hate this game. <laughs> because, because I could do it if I had the time to play each song in my head. Yes. And also, I played this game before with yeah. this album and got it wrong, I think. Yeah, it's a lot harder than you think. It's a lot harder than you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Astral Weeks, the greatest album ever made, begins with the title track Astral Weeks. Right, correct. Then it's the stumbling block to the album, which is beside you. Correct. Then I shall drive my chariot down your street and cry, hey, it's me, I'm Dynamite, and I don't know why that Sweet's Thing is the third track. Correct. Very good so far, John. Now then, it's sort of... There's a double, well, not a double play. It's not a double play, but there's sort of a, a companion pair. But I'm just trying to work out in my head what order they come in. And I think it's Cypress Avenue 4, Madam George 5. Ooh. It's Cypress Avenue, then it's The Way Young Lovers Do. And then it's Madam George. What? Ah! <laughs> yeah, because Madam George starts with Down Cypress Avenue. Yeah. Oh, so it's Cypress Avenue, then Where Young Lovers Do, then Madame George. Robin, I feel sick. Don't worry. It's, it's really hard. Can you do the last two? Uh, yeah, Ballerina and Slim Slow Slides. I think you did pretty bloody well there. I mean, I'd give that... Is that like six out of eight? No, I, got f- I only got four right. Right, okay. But then you got the last two right. I'd, I'd give you six for that. Oh, okay. Oh, Not right. that they ever count oh, up thanks, the scores man. on this anyway. <laughs> Phil, we've given you some meditation. Do you need some more time? Are you okay? Uh, I I need endless time. I need for I need the rest of forever to to similarly sort of play through the album in my head. I mean, it's going to be too boring if I keep trying to think of it, and it's just going to drive me crazy. And I've had I've had too much Bordeaux at this point. Um, <laughs> I'll, 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 I mean, I'll just say names of tracks. Sure, sure. And hope they line up in some way. So Abbey Road, it starts with Come Together. Correct. Okay. Then I know Maxwell's Silver Hammer is early on. And it's the one that you kind of need to kind of bear through. Um, But I don't think it's second. I think it's third? Mm. Second? Later? It's it's third. It's third. It's third. Third. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's third. Um, Yeah. So what's, what's second? (laughs) Um, Is it... Big, big, famous song. Is it something? Yes. Well done. So you've got Come Together Something, Maxwell Silverhammer. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay. And then is the next... No, it can't be two silly songs in a row, but I'm feeling Octopus's Garden. Your your first instinct was right. I'm I'm, I'm giving you a few nudges along. (laughs) 
You can't have two silly songs in a row. My first instinct. Yeah, your first instinct of you can't have two silly oh, okay, songs. Okay, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Oh, I've run out. I've run out of just. That's the first word. You got the first word. You got the first word. Oh, what, I've. Oh, you said oh. Oh, oh darling. Yes, well done. Yes. Doing really well. Oh, thank you so much. And then we we then I think this might might take slightly too long if we're going to have to walk Phil through every every track on the album. Okay, but I mean you've nearly done side one. You know what ends side one, don't you? Oh, I don't know it as sides. Oh, I see. Right, right, right. Well, it's I want you. She she's so heavy. But I think you did pretty well. It's, I mean, considering I jumped jumped it on you, you did well. Thank you, thank you. And I I like music, but I don't know albums. I've never known albums i'm just i've just never i'm just never obsessed around albums and track track lists yeah it, that's why it's such a hard uh question because even if you know an album really well you don't really necessarily know the order of the tracks and also i was too embarrassed to say backstreet boys because that's the ones i would know <laughs> really oh you should have done it but anyway great quiz thank you so much for playing and i hope you enjoyed that at home it's a great quiz. I think that that round would be an absolute car crash to do in an actual pub quiz. Yeah, it really would. Well, and pick any album, any album. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You'd have to do it as a, like a spotlight one. You'd pick someone to come up and say, what's your favourite album? Do the track listing. And you get 100 points yes. for your team. A fantastic quiz indeed. And in order to celebrate the end of the quiz, I have... Uh, retrieved from the depths of the moon underwater a bottle of black tower wine um and you know i'm not proud of the fact i'm drinking black tower wine um because it's certainly in the sort of same field as you might find uh blue nun or a big old liter bottle of liebfrau milch but it really is due to the failure of british supermarkets to stock a wide enough selection of riesling so here we go Diving into the old BT. Yeah, delicious. Absolutely delicious. It's got a very high rating on Tesco.com. Yeah, well, I think the people who drink Black Tower know what they like. But I guess, I guess surely everything on Tesco.com has a high rating because they want you to buy it. Interesting question. Are they cooking the books? <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. A major accusation from Phil Wang, one of the, well, the UK's biggest biggest supermarket um we did contact tesco for comment but no one was available <laughs> up there in their black tower oh, <laughs> i don't mind it one little billy bit so spirits are high here at the moon underwater but what spirits are high in phil wang's pub uh phil are you a spirits guy eh uh, un poco i like i i've i've fallen in and out of love with whiskey i've gone through I think every man goes through a period in his 20s of um, feeling pressured to be into whiskey. Yeah. And I did. And then I sort of fell out of love with it. And then now I've fallen back in love with it again. And when I, w- I used to think oh, I love just a really heavy, peaty whiskey. And I'd have lots of Lafrague thinking this is how whiskey is meant to be. It's meant to taste like a burning ship. And then I, I was given this whiskey by my mother, great lady. And it's it's a Bernahaven, Bernahaven, I think it's pronounced. It's a, an Isla whiskey, a whiskey from um, the island of Isla, Islay, Islay, and it's it's so smooth and delicious. 
but still whiskey, but not overbearing. It's so well balanced. It's you can just drink it and drink and drink it. Um, and I, it's maybe my favorite whiskey, Benhaven. It's got the picture on the front of an old sea captain, which is exactly what you want on the bottle. <laughs> it's also impossible to spell. It's impossible to spell. Oh my god, that is impossible to spell. I've just looked it up in my mind. So when we were at university, Robin and I, there was a girl in my ear called Bevin, but it was the Irish spelling of Bevin, which the only letter that you're imagining from when I say Bevin that was in her name was the B. <laughs> and the, the rest was almost was like a terrible rack in Scrabble. And I'm not being disparaging about Irish names because I absolutely adore Irish and Welsh names. But it was so different to the way it was said that the first time you saw it written down, you thought, what's going on there? But Benaben... Benahaven. Or Benaven is B B U N A H A B H A I N. It's mad. It's really mad. So it's impossible to tell anyone you like it. <laughs> so I've written it down as Bellhaven when you said it, but I'm now going to have to redo it as B-U-N-N-A-H-A-B-H-A-I-N. 12-year-old, I'm guessing? Um. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Good yeah, choice. Yeah, I think 12-year-old's had the one I had. That's the one I've had. It's um, really lovely. I've also had a version that is like stronger and peatier, and that one was too much for me. The 12-year-old standard is sea captain's kiss. <laughs> a salty kiss. I mean, we say Irish and Scottish and Welsh names are difficult, but, you know, what about Sinjin, which is spelt Saint John? I mean, that's... Yeah, I would say that's that's an exception. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, you, you, you know, people think other languages are difficult, and then you're like, well, until the 15th century, there were over 1,200 ways of spelling through in English. Really? 1200? Yeah. Wow. Or maybe it's though. Anyway. Wordle was different back then, I mean. <laughs> Wordle was quite different back then, actually, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm, whisk- I'm going through a bit of it, because I've got a bit of a head cold. I'm testing negative, but not really leaving the house. Uh, but I'm on the Lem Sip with honey and a shot of whiskey. Oh, yes. Absolutely superb. The sick man's toddy. It's so good. Do you yes. know how to make a, a like a proper toddy? No. So it, a rum toddy, and I'm sure the same is true with whiskey, is you make like a, a half cup of tea, black tea with a tea bag, and then you put honey, your spirit of choice, sugar, and maybe a bit of cinnamon. Oh wow. man, it's wow. absolutely superb. Or a bit, or, or orange if you if if lemon is too, and, and, and lemon or orange or citrus, you can right. really get quite quite into toddies. Imagine if toddies were your drink. You turn up to a bar and <laughs> could have a toddy. I suppose that's fine, isn't it? I think it's quite a Victorian thing. That I think they would have done a lot of hot toddies in those days because they sort of used alcohol to treat illness. And they're very into their humours, weren't they? Yeah, humours, yeah. I was listening to an episode of In Our Time about the temperance movement, and a lot of doctors, when the temperance movement started, which was to sort of reduce uh, alcohol intake and then also to to stop it completely, a lot of doctors sort of signed a letter saying this would be terrible for the nation's health if they weren't able to use uh, alcohol to treat their ailments. <laughs> Spel- spelt A-L-E. A L E L L B H M H E A I N T S. 
Uh, okay, so Banaban, 12-year-old whiskey is your first spirit. What's your second one, Phil? My second one, and this is one I don't have really any knowledge about, but it, it, I've, I've had a couple of really nice mezcals. Mm. Oh, Robin's your man for mezcal. Oh, really? Do you know your mezcal? Well... No, but I've just had got very, very drunk on it once in Mexico. Oh, perfect. Well, then you'll know more than me. I've just had it once. I had one like the other week on holiday, and it was, it had that kind of that heat, that sort of heatiness of of whiskey, but it also had a kind of juicy, plump, vegetal kind of, uh, you know, element from the agave. I guess I like the idea that I'm drinking a bit of agave. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's something very primal about it. I like it. Yeah. I think we might have mentioned this on the show before, but, but we obviously we did Under the Volcano in uh, the pub library, where there's a lot of mezcal going on. But I also mentioned, I think, the uh, there's a Mexican drink called pulque, which is where you, it's kind of you're almost drinking the sap of the cactus before it's kind of fermented, but it kind of ferments in your stomach. So you get drunk about two or three hours after you've drunk it. It tastes like a milkshake. It's the most beautiful drink I've ever had in my life. And you can't really export it because it doesn't last very long. So the distillery is you. You are the distillery. Oh, nice. It's, it's quite extraordinary. The, the, the distillery within, the distillery without. <laughs> so how do you drink mezcal? I've never had it. I think like, well, I think it depends on the quality of it. Like it can be just sort of a mixer thing or like the same as any spirit. It can be a mixer, but the higher qualities, you just sip it neat. And is it chilled? The one I had was, yes, I, I, I'm speaking from so little experience, literally like <laughs> once. I'm just not really a, a, a spirits guy, I don't think. Do you, do you have a specific mezcal in, uh, in mind? The one that I was bored. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember what it was. It had a picture of an agave plant on the front. I, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm going to pick a specific one from the highest rated mezcal on masterofmalt.com, which is a very good resource for buying spirits. It's Dangerous John Hovan Mezcal. That's almost your name, John Hovan. It's almost my name, and it's got 29 five-star reviews, so that must be a good one. So do you mind if I put Dangerous Don Hovan Mezcal? Please. That sounds about as good as I'm going to get. Unless there's one out there was 30 five-star reviews, then I'd like to have that one. <laughs> okay, just writing that down. Uh, and it's got a lovely bottle that's sort of almost like sort of a hand-drawn pen and ink picture on the front. Love it, love it, of love it. Of an agave plant? No, of um, like a, a field of agave plants and a big volcano and a tree. It looks like almost like a tattoo, it's actually it's actually quite moving. <laughs> I could try and find the one that has uh, an agave plant on the front. Uh, I might but, be misremember. I think that might be a bit of a Mandela effect memory from me. I think I just I have just assumed there would be an agave plant in the front. Moment might not have been. So we're absolutely supping and sipping with our Bernabin twelve-year-old and our dangerous Don Giovan Mescal. Uh, but what are we going to do to replace all these brain cells, Robin? Pub library, methinks. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Thank you, John. This week on the Pub Library and the Moon Underwater, it's the second appearance of James Joyce's Ulysses. 
a, a big fave of mine. I thought I'd do Ulysses again because it's the centenary of Ulysses. It's first published in the, on the 2nd of February, 1922. So this extract is from the Cyclops chapter, which takes place in Barney Kiernan's pub in Dublin, which is sadly no longer there. Uh, this chapter is narrated by an anonymous barfly who observes an argument between the hero of the novel Leopold Gloom, a Jewish businessman, and an Irish nationalist known as the Citizen. And Ulysses is kind of loosely based on Homer's Odyssey, and the Citizen represents the Cyclops because he's got this kind of limited, intolerant worldview. And it's one of my uh, favourite passages of the book. So here we go. Here's a bit of Ulysses. And again, I won't do the accent. Will you try another citizen, says Joe. Yes, sir, says he, I will. You, says Joe. Beholden to you, Joe, says I. May your shadow never grow less. Repeat that dose, says Joe. Bloom was talking and talking with John Wise, and he quite excited with his Dunducketty mud-coloured mug on him and his old plum eyes rolling about. Persecution, says he. All the history of the world is full of it, perpetuating national hatred among nations. But do you know what a nation means, says John Wise? Yes, says Bloom. What is it, says John Wise. A nation, says Bloom. A nation is the same people living in the same place. By God, then, says Ned, laughing. If that's so, I'm a nation, for I'm living in the same place for the last five years. So, of course, everyone had the laugh at Bloom and says he trying to muck out of it, or also living in different places. That covers my case, says Joe. What is your nation, if I may ask, says the citizen. Ireland, says Bloom. I was born here. Ireland. The citizen said nothing, only cleared the spit out of his gullet and gob. He spat a red bank oyster out of him right in the corner. And I belong to a race too, says Bloom, that is hated and persecuted. Also now, this very moment, this very instant. Gob, he near burnt his fingers with the butt of his old cigar. Robbed, says he, plundered, insulted, persecuted, taking what belongs to us by right. At this very moment, says he, putting up his fist, sold by auction in Morocco like slaves or cattle. Are you talking about the new Jerusalem, says the citizen? I'm talking about injustice, says Bloom. Right, says John Wise. Stand up to it then, with force, like men. But it's no use, says he. Force, hatred, history, all that. That's not life for men and women. Insult and hatred. And everybody knows that it's the very opposite of that that is really life. What, says Alf? Love, says Bloom. I mean the opposite of hatred. Lovely bit of reading there. Thank you. Very good reading. <laughs> Thanks. It's a kind of hard one to read because it's uh, all narrated by this guy who obviously doesn't like Bloom. And it's in the kind of Irish dialect, so it's like all the kind of says he and says I stuff. But it's it's such a great passage because I think it's very accessible. And I think it's something that's very relevant now because Bloom's kind of talking about tolerance. Well, if that's accessible, then I cannot read Ulysses. (laughs) I'm not even going to try. I was going to ask Rob, What advice would you have to someone wanting to approach Ulysses who might feel a bit overawed by it and a bit confused? Because it is a difficult book, and it's an intentionally difficult book, isn't it? Yeah, it's difficult. Um, The first bit of advice would be to read... There's a great book called The Bloomsday Book by Harry Blamires, which is just a 200-page book which you can read like a novel, which kind of tells you what's happening in Ulysses. And the other thing is to listen to the audiobook because hearing the dialogue and hearing the descriptions, it kind of makes sense. There's a musicality to it and it makes sense and you can kind of visualise it in your mind better. And is there a specific audiobook that does it well with like a cast of people or...? There's one with Jim Norton 
and I forget who does Molly Bloom, but it's done by a... Do you, shall I Google it? Yeah, in your mind. <laughs> in my mind, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a, the audiobook with Jim Norton and Marcella Reardon, who does uh, Molly's monologue at the end. And it's, um, yeah, that's really worth listening to. It's brilliant. How are you getting on with Finnegan's Wake? Have you finished it yet? <laughs> no, I'm reading like a page a, a day, basically. And how long have you been reading it for? Uh, 2000, when did I break my leg? 2018. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And is there, final question, is there a sort of a Joyce book that you could read before Ulysses that's a good, not necessarily a primer, but just sort of perhaps a more accessible introduction to to his work than Ulysses? Um, yeah, there is a really good one. What's it called? It's by Declan Kibbard, and it's called Ulysses and Us. And it's got a great picture of Marilyn Monroe reading the dirty bit at the end on the cover. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's a really good book because it's kind of anti-elitism and it's showing kind of how it's a kind of book for the everyday and it's a book that everyone can get something from really oh that's nice it's a really really good uh, good book so is there like a joyce book you would recommend before going to ulysses like dubliners or portrait of the artist dubliners definitely dubliners dubliners yeah. i mean it's dubliners is just phenomenal yeah well a superb double edition to the moon underwater pub library a tome really uh, justifying its place as the sound, that unmistakable sound of a can of Stella being cracked open by the lovely Robin Allender, who's finally given in and decided he can't. He just can't be in the moon underwater without a lovely 440 mils of the of the sweet stuff. I recently, I went to see my friend and um, occasional comedy colleague, George Foraker. He's currently playing Hamlet at the Globe. Fuck! Wow! Yeah, it's a big deal. And he's brilliant. He's brilliant as Hamlet. I went over and watched it with Jason, my, my friend Jason, who we also do Daphne, the sketch group with. And it, um, it's, a, it's a great production. And George has been fantastic. There's two breaks. It's a long play, but it whizzes by. It's so good. I've never seen Hamlet before. I, 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 I It's now... I, maybe my favourite Shakespeare play. I loved it. I loved it. And it got to the end in this big um, emotional build-up. And... And spoilers, Hamlet realizes he's going to die and he sits down and he does his big final speech and it's all quiet. It's in the small Sam Wanamaker theater in the globe, lit only by candlelight. And he goes, um, it says a final line and all that is left and he leaves a beat. And, and for some reason, a guy in the front row takes this opportunity to open a can of Sprite. Fucking <laughs> oh god! And, draw, and you can, and, and we could just see the the, the most so the slightest drop on George's face as he goes is silence. <laughs> oh god, man! I mean, you got through four hours without Sprite. Surely you can just last a few minutes more. It was incredible, <laughs> and to hear a whole theatre of people go, was maybe worth the ticket. A bit mission price alone. The Globe is a, an extraordinary experience. Really, really quite incredible. Also, fun fact, it's the only building in London that has a thatched roof. Is it really? Is that true? Yeah, because they were banned after the Great Fire of London. Uh, but when, I, I don't know, immediately after, but as a result of the Great Fire of London, thatched roofs were banned. And the Globe had to apply for exemption when they rebuilt it. 
Uh, so they have a very elaborate sprinkler system in order to get planning mm-hmm. permission for the thatched roof. Fun fact. We like fun <laughs> and we like facts. We like Black Tower. <laughs> hey, you never know, uh, Phil. Maybe, maybe a representative of Black Tower and Blue Nun will get in touch and take me and Robin to wine tastings of just sort of very low-grade wines. I think that'd be a good night. I think that'd be a great night. Where we all sit around drinking Echo Falls and Blossom Hill. Take that Blue Nun up that Black Tower. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right, uh, Phil, not only do we have uh, a bookshelf in the Moon Underwater, a library... We also have a jukebox. Now, you've said you're not really into albums. You're more of a music brackets general man. Well, I, I, I listen to albums, and they're albums that I know that I like, but I, I, I can never particularly remember them well. I, 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 don't, I don't learn them. You know, I, I play them and I enjoy them, but I don't really learn them. Well, what album are you choosing for the Moon Underwater jukebox? Well, this is an album that represents the period in my life and the period of music that I, the only period of music I truly did obsess about, which was the um, classical jazz age, the sort of traditional jazz age and Louis Armstrong and Duke Ellington. And this is an album called The, uh, the Great Summit, which is Louis Armstrong and Duke Ellington playing together. And it's the only sort of studio recordings of those two greats playing together. Oh, I love those sorts of things. And so they played through all, um, a lot of jazz standards and a lot of Duke Ellington's um, tracks. And it's just the most beautiful album. It's two musicians who are just at the peak of their powers and the top of their professions. There are no two better jazz musicians alive and they're playing together. It, it's just a perfect, perfect album. Every single recording is perfect. And I, it's, one, it's an album that I just never get sick of listening to. I can just listen to it again and again and again. Um, So that will be it. Even though, obviously, it's a loss to us that two musicians like that didn't play on on studio albums more often, there is something quite quite romantic about a music industry that perhaps wasn't quite as cynically market-driven. Yeah. You know, if two people like that were recording today, maybe they would flog that horse a bit more. I don't mind that that those there are these sort of mad rarities when you're thinking why is that the only why is that the only studio recording of them together surely it's a no-brainer that you put them together but i quite like that idea of a a music scene that's Mm. and there's something really neat about there just being this one album yeah what good is melody what good is music if it ain't possessing something sweet now it ain't the melody And it ain't the music. There's something else that makes this tune complete. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Right, uh, Phil, you've got one more choice. It's a WC, it's a Whiskey Charlie, it's a wild card. What is your final choice? Amaze us, confuse us, confound us. My wild card choice is a sake. <gasps> a chilled sake. I don't, um, I, I went to Japan, I, I've been to Japan a couple of times, it's the most wonderful place. And I think maybe home, and this might be contentious, to my favorite pub in the world. It's a place run by my friend Paul and his wife, Hisako. Paul um, is from Manchester, but he left in, I think, the 70s or 80s for Japan and met Hisako. And they have this um, um, British pub in the Shimokitazawa district in Tokyo. It's got a big, um, it's got a Union Jack on it, and it's called Good Heavens. Oh. And inside it's just, it's loads of like old LPs, British LPs just stuck up against the walls and they have uh, a draft beers. They have London, Pro- Ooh, I think they have London Pride maybe. And they have fish and chips made with cod caught off the coast of Hokkaido. It's it's an amazing, beautiful place. I've performed there a couple of times. He puts on stand-up shows. It's the most amazing ambiance. And after you, you do a show there, and then everyone just hangs out, and he pours you pints all night, and you, he closes up when whenever he wants, and it's just it's the best. Good Heavens in Tokyo is a, a really brilliant pub. I'm looking it up in my mind, and it seems to have quite an astonishing pub library. Mm, yes, yes, oh, really? yes. There's loads of books. That room where the where the performances are looks absolutely incredible. There's a big poster for the film Alfie, and there's just reams upon reams of books. Oh my gee, I absolutely love it. I want to do a gig there, Phil. <laughs> oh yeah, he'd be happy to have you. They, he loves his comedy. It's quite how, how difficult to get to Japan at the moment, but once it opens up, you totally should. That's amazing. So, um, but but while I was there last week, I was in Tokyo and we went to a, like a sake tasting bar and we got like a flight of sakes, and the for what is just rice wine, the range of flavor you get. Um, is really incredible. I don't really know enough to recommend any particular one. I have one. I've kept a bottle downstairs, but it's all in Japanese and I can't read it. It's. But I think Junmai is a good word. How are we spelling that in English? J U N M A I. Junmai sake. Now, Phil, I have to be honest with you. I've tried sake. I think four or five times in my life. I am a guy who loves astringent flavors. I love salt. I love anchovies. I love capers. I love olives. If it's salty, I'm I'm in there. 
I'm with you. I'm holding your hand. I'm saying this is a good idea. Every time I've tasted sake, I have, in the most dignified way possible, spat it out. <laughs> yeah. Really? I find that very... So you think it's astringent? No, it's is just, saying? it's got a taste. So the one salty taste I cannot get on board with is salt water. So swimming in the sea and oysters, I have a real issue. I just can't, I just, the idea of getting a mouth full of salt water in the ocean is just the absolute worst possible sensation taste-wise. And every time I've tasted sake, and I may have tasted the wrong ones at the wrong places... It just feels like I'm drinking... When I was a kid and I had ulcers, so I suffered really badly from mouth ulcers until I changed my toothpaste. Anyone out there suffering, find a toothpaste that doesn't have sodium lauryl sulfate in it and it will change your life. However, I used to get ulcers and my mum would make me rinse my mouth out with salt water. Horrible. So you're talking like lukewarm water with salt mixed in from a tap It's just the worst. It's just the worst. And I couldn't keep it in my mouth long enough for it to do any good. That's what sake tastes like to me. Can can you please enlighten me? But it's not it's not salty, is it, sake? I wouldn't say it's salty. No, I wouldn't either. But are you saying there's there's a similar quality, like a kind of mouth coating same quality that hits the same parts of your mouth that uh... I get salt from sake. Hmm. I don't think I do. Maybe you've had salty sakes. Maybe I've had salty sakes. <laughs> Maybe you've had tequila slammers. And I mean, that's what I associate with sakes, that kind of burn feeling, you know, from a, a spirit. Sure, you know? but that's, 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 that's true. Yeah, that's a true of any sort of spirit, isn't it? That sort of burning taste. Oh, but I, no, I think, uh, if, you know, a good, a good, like, clean, gentle sake, a nice, a well-made sake is cold. I was told by a sake guy to avoid, if the sake is available warm or hot, uh, don't drink it. That's what they do to to cover the taste of bad sake. You're barred. But now we come to the point in uh, The Moon Underwater where you get to bar a behaviour. You get to ban something from your dream pub, Phil. What's it going to be? Um, this is one that is very important to me. I, I'd be surprised if it hasn't been covered before, but at the risk of being unoriginal, I must put it forward. It is any loudness at all any shouting any uh, um, aggression even faux aggression any screaming i don't care if it's because you're drunk i don't care if it's your birthday i don't care what's happened no loudness Great point if you're loud you're out that's the that's the rhyme if you're loud you're out if you're loud, you're out. Great point on the faux loudness, the faux aggression, because it's just as annoying to have a group of sort of um, pretty cool dudes in there sort of mock being loud. It's, that's as annoying as someone just being loud. I think there was, I think we might have discussed this as well on a previous episode, but the I, there, there was there, there's a certain kind of loudness where... It, a big group of guys sound like they're sort of doing podcasts with each other. <laughs> and there's a kind of Ricky Gervais laugh that's kind of infected people. Do you know what I mean? That's the kind of loudness where I, w- I, I, will, I will move table. I will move pub. I will move the town. Kind of, the kind of loudness where it's obvious this table of people think they're being so brilliant and funny, the rest of the pub should be in on this or should hear how funny and brilliant they're being. Yeah. I can't stand it. 
<laughs> a pub is a place to be publicly private in my oh in hello my <laughs> hello man it's a controlled privacy you know yeah you shouldn't your yeah. your domes should not breach onto each other your domes of experience and awareness should not be breaching into each other love it that's so, that's so true that was such an th important thing for my dad i remember the worst thing that could happen to him was if 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 you were eating in a pub and someone at an adjacent table said said to him once um Oh, that looks nice. It's like, no, this doesn't exist for you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, don't invade my world. You've got your own world. Exactly. Get your own tea. Exactly. Get your own realm. Get your own realm. You've yeah. got to stay within the boundaries of your own realm. But I love that idea of being publicly private in a pub. But I, th I think it is, it is that thing of performative speech. And you get it on buses or on trains where, especially with young people, and often talking quite sexually or sort of talking in quite a sort of like an offensive way, they'll they'll raise their voices almost as if they want you to come up and go, what, you know, like, they want you to say that's a bit much. But what you actually want to say is, guys, this, this is so dull and you will regret this in years' time when you look back at how you you know, told a story about giving or receiving a blowjob far too loud at two in the afternoon on a public train. <laughs> this is, and, and we've all done it and we've all been that sort of teenager or that person in their 20s or that sort of pink-shirted financier in their 30s or 40s who just sort of kind of wants an audience but hasn't got one, so they, they force everyone to be their audience. And you're like, mate, I, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. It's it's the worst. It's the worst. Uh, if it happens on a, I know this is not, um, the Moon Underwater Train podcast, but if it happens on a train, even worse, even worse. The train is the pub of public transport. <laughs> it's, it's the pub of transport. I think the train. Hurry up, please. It's time. It's superb. So Phil Wang is barring loudness of any description from his dream pub. But what is this dream pub going to be called? Just to remind you, uh, listeners, on draft, Phil has Bath Ale's Gem. Also, the Anspachen Hobday Porter at a whopping 6.8%. He's got Dog Point Sauvignon Blanc and a Lebanese Chateau Moussard as his bottled choices. He's got... Banaben, 12-year-old single malt. I think it's Banahaven. Banahaven, sorry. It's mad. It's mad. I I'm, yeah, I think that's Banahaven. Banahaven, 12-year-old malt as his uh, first spirit choice. The second is Dangerous John Jovan Mescal, chosen by me, but uh, only the brand. And his wild card is Saki, either the one he has in his basement, which is... Uh, Yun Meisai? Maybe. Uh, or the house sake at where, Phil? Irifune, the, the, the tuna sushi restaurant in Tokyo. He's banned loudness, but what? And we've got a lot of potential options for this. What, Phil, are you going to call your pub? We've, we, we've, had, we've stumbled over some really good contenders, but I think the port in the storm just... It invokes exactly the sentiment and the feeling I want from a pub. 
that it is a port and a storm. So the port and storm. That's I think. so nice. Did you have an idea before we mentioned that? No, no, no. It's just revealed itself. The pub name has revealed itself. <laughs> As all good pub names do. As they do. I just wish this black tower hadn't revealed itself to me quite so early in the recording. It's revealed, because revealed a lot of itself to you, hasn't yeah, it? It's revealed all of itself to me. Um, Crikey. I've only, got, I've only got about 200 mil left, but uh, what a treat it was. Um, <laughs> so, Phil, before we bid you adieu and let you head back to those Atesian winds and those horse thoroughfares, what are they called, Rob? Horse latitudes. Horse latitudes. Yeah. To be buffeted about back to the uh, other realm. What 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 track from Louis Armstrong and Duke Ellington's The Great Summit would you like to hear? Oh gosh, um, that is a uh, tough one. I think I would have to go Duke's Place, which is the first track. Duke's Place, also a good name for a pub. Hmm. Exactly. I think that's why it's a good it's a good pub song. Hey, next time you go to Bristol, you should go to the Old Duke, a, a, a f- famed jazz venue, um, which I think you would like a lot of the posters on the wall. Anyway, folks, thank you so much for listening to The Moon Underwater. We really appreciate you with us in this hallowed tavern. We thank Phil Wang for his company and his selections, and we give you, Phil, the port in the storm to carry away with you uh, and you for whenever you need it the most at times when loudness has baffled your ears into submission you can bring out this pub and enter at your own will and uh, we encourage you to head to moonunderpod.com to find out how you can support us via patreon etc and we will be back with you next week but right now we bid farewell to phil wang and we play him out with duke's place baby Take me down to Duke's place Wireless boxing down is Duke's place Love that piano sound in Duke's place Saxons do their tricks in Duke's place Hold up, what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> 